Warning, the Thin Blue Line podcast, Harry Bosch, contains adult content. Harry and others use profanity, adult language, and discuss adult topics, and so shall we. One more warning, this podcast may contain spoilers. I must stress this for this chapter and the entire podcast, so please proceed with extreme caution. After getting to the door and pushing the doorbell button, Bosch looked at Ryder. You ever done this before? No, but I grew up in South LA. A lot of drive-bys. I was around when people got the news. Bosch nodded. Not to belittle that experience, but this is different. It's not important what you hear is said. It's important what you observe. Hello, and welcome to the Thin Blue Line podcast. I'm Philip Parker, a retired police detective with over 29 years of law enforcement experience. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to rate us five stars or better. Please follow us on Twitter at the Thin Blue Line pod and our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are set up just for our fans. Oh, oh, also join us at www.thethinbluelinepod.com for more investigative content where you will find more detailed experience concerning Harry Bosch and Michael Connolly. Now that all that bullshit's out the way, it's time to get to work and finish probing into Chapter 1 of Trunk Music. Last time on the Thin Blue Line podcast... We explore how the best confidence builder is experience, shaped the first part of chapter one, trunk music. And today, we will take a deep dive into the last part of chapter one. As always, there's the prerequisite spoiler alert. It's my intention to stay away from spoilers, but sometimes shit happens, so please proceed with caution. And now, the Thin Blue Line podcast, Harry Bosch. time to open up the murder book and turn the page to the chronological record so we can do an investigative summary on the information gathered thus far in this chapter. After the name and address of the victim were confirmed, Bosch and Ryder respond to Tony Aliso's home to make next of kin notice to his wife Veronica Aliso. While performing the dirty work Bosch and Ryder were advised by Veronica that her and Tony's marriage were estranged and that Tony would make frequent visits to Las Vegas to meet investors. Next, Bosch and Ryder responded to Eliseo's office, a small studio facility, to conduct a search. While conducting the search, Bosch and Ryder became aware that Eliseo's office was broken into. A reviewing of the surveillance video and some investigative theory Bosch and Ryder assumed that someone had broken into Eliseo's office to retrieve a phone bug. The next day, Bosch, Ryder, and Edgar meet with Lieutenant Bullets, where she instructs Ryder 
to follow Liso's money trail. Edgar to continue requesting search warrants for Liso's home and office. And for Bosch to go to Las Vegas and track down what Liso was doing while he was there and who he came in contact with. And that brings us to this episode's big idea. So let's lift up the yellow tape and examine the clues. For the defining theme for the last part of chapter one, trunk music is, a wise leader knows when to follow. Hello, and welcome back to the Thin Blue Line podcast. And you know, we're going to start this episode off with how the this development between Lieutenant Billups and Harry are starting to develop. And one of the great things about their relationship is Billups asked Harry, what's your initial hunch about this investigation? Now, that is very common between investigators, detectives, and their supervisors. Because really, what it also does is when Billups starts informing her supervisors, Harry and Billups, the investigative teams are on the same page. So she can say to, uh, let's say, Irving or some other, her captain or whatever, say, well, this is what the investigative team is looking at, and these are the angles, and everyone's on the same page. So it helps with the information flow. And again, you can, you can see how the relationship between Billups and Harry is developing, because for listeners who, if you've been involved in Harry Bosch, you know. 98 pounds would not do this. Harvey, 98 pounds, would not sit there and ask Harry about his investigator hunch because he thinks he's an investigator and whatever his hunches is or whatever he thinks the case should do or uh, whatever he thinks the case investigative lead should lead go to, that's what would happen. That's what he would tell his supervisor. So again, this is a really good start between Billis and Harry. And we start to see some of Billis investigative skills starting to be exposed here because she asked Harry, what do you think about um, OCD not or passing on the investigation? And, you know, we see Harry saying, yeah, I had the same problem. It, but I, what is important here is one of the things that I like about Michael Collins writing is it's very subtle. So we started to see that again, Lieutenant Billets has some investigative skills. She's not afraid to stretch her muscles or flex her muscles, excuse me. But it's not, well, Michael Conley gives it to you in just a little sips and just like a little clues that, okay, this lady has some investigative skills. And again, that's Michael Conley, classic Michael Conley throughout so far um, the, the books that we've reviewed. And again, I, not to belabor the point, but you know, the contrast between Billets and pounds is just very, it is, it's night and day. And, you know, it was easy for us to vilify pounds in some of the things he did because how cowardly he, he, um, he was. But it's nice to have someone on Mike, or excuse me, on Harry's side. And one of the things I like to point out again, when Harry and Billets are talking, she says, Oh, have your people respond, you know, to the, um, in the morning time, um, have the team, or I want everybody, you know, those type of adjectives 
that she exhibits here is not my people, my team, you know, tell these people what to do. It's your team. You know, have the people, you know, it's, it's more inclusive. And again, I just cannot emphasize enough how important and how fulfilling it is to make my job easier to have a supervisor like Lieutenant Billets. And just to put a fine point and then we'll move on after this, one of the things that I like about uh, Billets is t- she told Harry, hey, look, when we're in an informal setting, like this just called me Grace. Someone's not hung up on her title. Uh, Harry knows she's a lieutenant, she's in charge. But when we're not in a formal setting, just call me Grace. Now, I had one of the, um, one of my coworkers when we were in Vice together, he later on became, actually became chief of police. And I would see him, you know, every time I go down to headquarters every once in a while, I would go down to headquarters and we would get in the elevators. And I was like, how you doing, chief? And he would look at me like, Phil, what the fuck? I'm like, dude, you're the chief. He goes, yeah, but no one's in the elevator with this. I'm like, look, man, I'm just, I just want to give you your, all your props. He's like, whatever, whatever, whatever. We, we don't see me. You know what to call me. Don't call me chief. I'm like, okay. That was a good guy. You know, no matter, I've seen him, like, so we used to hang out and vice together till he made the upper echelons of the, um, of the police department as a chief. And when I saw him, he still wanted me to call him by his first name. Again, when we're in formal settings, of course. But when we're by ourselves, hey, man, call me by my first name. And one of the most fulfilling aspects of being a good investigator is passing on your knowledge and experience to some rookie investigator who's eager and hungry to uh, learn. And we see Bosch and Ryder starting to develop that relationship Especially like he said, he took um, a writer on the next of kin notification. And I like that he wants to start seeing how she does things, seeing how she handles herself. And we're starting to see that, um, at least Michael Connolly is starting to lay the foundation to me right now at this point in the book that Harry and Kids Mean are going to have a good relationship. And one of the things that I keep coming back to and that Michael Connolly does is shows. Again, how important it is to develop and maintain your civilian connections and your civilian relationships with people. Because what I'm getting to is Kismin and uh, Bosch are going to make the next, the next of kin notification. And when they get there, they encounter the uh, guard at the, at the uh, desk, uh, at the gate, excuse me. Now, Bosch placates him, hey, Captain, you know, really... You know, which you're out of Hollywood. When Bosch really knew the guy wasn't really a cop. But again, just a little bit of uh, gamesmanship here will go a long way. And what I mean by that, because right then and there, the procedure was for this particular guard was to call the particular homeowner to say, hey, look, you have a visitor. And Bosch, not being a dick, said, hey, look, I really wish you hold off on that. Because Bosch says, you know, what's important is not what you hear, is what you observe. So he wanted to get a very fresh, untainted observation of the particular wife or next of kin notification to see how the person responded, which, again, is very important for investigative efforts. I digress a little bit, but, again, I said it over and over again. Michael Conley keeps pointing out developing and maintaining a good relationship with civilians go a long way as an investigator um, of crime. Now, one of the things Michael Conley points out is that Miss Alicio, she is 
this this she's she's raw right off the bat. She makes a very aggressive move. So as Bosch and Ryder go to the front door and knock on the door, and Bosch shows Elise, Miss Alicia his badge, she does something very aggressive. She takes his badge and looks at it, and Bosch is very shocked because no one really takes his badge. Like I said, most people step back. Now, when I did the whole show your identification, your your badge and your credentials. No one ever reached out to take my badge. So right there, I think Miss Alicia is putting Bosch on notice that she's not really intimidated by law enforcement. And so if so that tells me that some of the law enforcement tricks that we normally deploy here prob- probably won't work. And one of the things that you guys as readers during this particular interaction between Miss Alicia and Harry is Harry does a quick assessment of who she is, what she's possibly about, because cops are generally nosy, well, especially detectives, because you have to be. You want to absorb all the, use all your senses when you're in someone's house and or when you're trying to investigate a crime. So, you know, right here, um, Harry's looking around, no family photos in the house, very sterile, you know, not too many photos with, you know, loving, caring photos, those things could leave credence down the line if you're trying to eliminate someone or possibly look at somebody as being a suspect. And I've always said from the very first podcast I did back with the um, Black Echo, and Michael Conley stays true to his depiction of people and their eyes, specifically females, you know, from the book. I studied the cool anger in her dark eyes. I mean, like I said, I think right now we're getting a sense that Miss Aliso is not to be messed with, or if you do, you better come correct. And just again to dive deeper into that sentiment from the book, was your husband in any kind of serious debt? Bosch asked. I don't know. If he was, he didn't tell me. You didn't call me Veronica. I mean, right there. She is putting, to me, Bosch on the defense because no one does that right off the bat. No one says, oh, call me by my first name when you're on the, um, in this type of situation right here. It's usually extremely formal. And so let's look at it. She has these dark, angry, smooth eyes, as, Her- uh, as Michael Conley called it. She took Harry's badge, and now she wants Harry to call her by her first name. These are very aggressive and very subtle, aggressive moves that Veronica is putting on Harry right now. I mean, Bosch tells her her husband's dead, and she says, oh, call me by my first name? Get the fuck out of here. I mean, right there, like I said, she's being extremely aggressive. And we see how savvy, I'm going to call her Veronica, is right now, because while Bosch and Kismin are asking her different questions from the book, now Bosch narrowed his eyes. What was she trying to say? His silence worked. She answered before he had to ask, but as she spoke, she looked directly at Ryder. The unspoken message between that as a woman, Ryder might sympathize. Detective, I haven't had, I guess, sexual relationship is the way you say things in these matters. My husband and I, not over the past two years. This is, again, a classic aggressive move to try to play the two detectives against each other. 
Um, again, as I said in my prior podcast, I prefer having female partners because a lot of times I'm very hot headed sometimes. And a lot of times, um, again, my ego at times when I, especially when I was younger, would get in the way and a good female partner would say, Phil, chill, you know, you, you're taking this the wrong way. And this has happened to me and my partners before where we interview different suspects. You can tell who they're trying to play sympathy, uh, play the sympathetic card with. Uh, sometimes they looked at my female partner and try to get sympathy that way. And sometimes my female partner was, you know, digging in their ass. They would look at me like, could you help me? You know, that type of thing. So Veronica is extremely savvy and not afraid to mix it up with the police. So as Bosch and Ryder are leaving, they stop at the guard shack again, and they're asking about the records of the cars going in and out, and can they, can they have access to it from the book? Yeah, but this is pr- private property, Bosch said. Yes, we know. But before we go through the trouble, tell me something. Say I come back with a warrant. Are your gate records going to tell me exactly when Miss Alicia came in and out of here in the last couple of days? Now, that is a standard line that detectives use all the time. But again, the guard answered the question. And this is, again, a typical interaction between civilians. And again, I, I've always said it. And I'm going to keep saying it. The reason I keep pointing this kind of stuff out is if any law enforcement is listening to me, don't forget about your civilian partners because they can really make your job easier or they make it hell because you're going, you know, you're jumping through a bunch of hoops where you, if you were just uh, decent with someone, you could probably get the answers. So then Harry and Ryder go over to the uh, studio where Tony Alicio's office is and they want to gain entrance into the studio, you know, to do a search. And when we get there, Bosch is um, met by one of his old uh, detectives, um, Chucky Meacham. And Michael Connolly goes into, again, how earth-shattering Rodney King was. Because from the book, Meacham was the one, after the Rodney King incident happened, he pulled a pin, got his money, and got out. Because he saw the writing on the wall how bad it was going to be for cops from that point on. And Again, Rodney King was just as earth-shattering as the George Floyd incidents that happened here, you know, in 2020. That's how earth-shattering and changing of law enforcement protocols um, the Rodney King incident was. And we see, yeah, I like how Michael Connelly does the subtle, again, the subtleness is so overt. And I, I know it's kind of like an oxymoron here, but, you know, the fact that Chucky called uh, Ryder Riley just really shows his lack of respect for her accomplishments. And, but I do like the fact how Bosch immediately stands up for her and pushes back on him. And again, that just goes to the uh, character of Harry Bosch. And one again, I'll keep saying it over and over again. One of the reasons I like Michael Connolly and his depiction of Harry Bosch. And so I like to also just jump right into something, a passage um, from the book. Whatever your procedures are, we're expecting you to allow us access. You're on private property here, buddy. You got to keep that in mind. I will. Bosch stood up. And will you make your call? 
One thing you should keep in mind is that so far the media hasn't gotten wind of this. I don't think it would be good to pull Archway into this sort of thing, especially since we don't know for sure who's involved here. You can tell whoever you're making a call that. I'll try to keep it that way. Meacham smirked and shook his head. Still the same old Bosch. Your way or the highway. Something like that. And that brings us to this episode's question of the day. And the question of the day comes from Trunk Music, chapter 1B, as I call it, the second half of chapter 1. After pulling an all-nighter, Ryder, Edgar, and Bosch debriefed Lieutenant Bullocks on investigative findings concerning Tony Alicio. When Bosch finished, Bullock asked, from the book, Anything else from the car? No, Bosch said. Yes. Ryder said. Billix raised her eyebrows at the contradiction. One of the prints Donovan found inside the lip of the trunk, Ryder said, came from Ray Powers. He's the P3 who found the body. He overstepped when he popped the trunk. But it was sloppy work, and he should have never opened the trunk in the first place. He should have called us. Question. Do you agree with the way Ryder contradicted Harry in front of Lieutenant Billix? Yes. Harry should have brought it up. Or no, Ryder should have talked to Bosch in private. And I want to thank everyone who participated in the poll of the question of the day. And as of the recording of this podcast, 73% said no, Ryder should have talked to Bosch in private. I'd also like to thank Jonathan and um, Barbara and all everyone who made comments concerning that particular poll because it was something that comes up in the investigative field. So my two cents on this, I have to agree with everyone. Ryder should have talked to Bosch first in private before bringing it up in front of the lieutenant. Now, I'm old school. I don't like to air my dirty laundry in front of the lieutenant. And, and now let, me, let me break that down a little bit further. It's not really airing your dirty laundry. But one of the things that a good investigator has to do is protect their officials. Because their officials can protect them. They're so... Let me slow down and break this down, what I mean by that. By kids being bringing this up in front of Lieutenant Billix, in front of Bosch, so then the responsibility will be up to Lieutenant Billix to follow up on that. Or she can make the executive decision to handle it different ways. But first, Bosch should have been told about that because once you tell your official of some malfeasance, they have to do something. And I'm not saying not to tell your officials. But that's a way of protecting them. Kids mean, being a young investigator, should have talked to Bosch first. Because you can't, it's all, it's a two-way streak. You cannot ask your officials to look out for you and protect you if you, on the other hand, don't look out for them and protect them. And that's what I mean by you got that when that works, my goodness, the bad guys don't have a chance because I'm looking out for the lieutenant, the lieutenant's looking out for me, and we're both, based on our training and experience, we can say, okay, yes, let's move forward in this one way. And I'm going to chalk it up to Ryder's inexperience to doing that, because she should not have. And believe me, if my young rookie investigator would have did that to me, uh, 
yeah, we would have had a conversation. Now, again, it's a rookie mistake. And I don't want to um, pound, I wouldn't pound her into the ground, but I would explain to her just like that, just as I explained it to you guys. Hey, look, kids, I understand why you brought that up in front of the lieutenant. Get it. I wasn't trying to um, ignore it, but based on my training experience, it was nothing worth bringing up to her because right now we don't need that type of uh, battle. We know who it was. He was on the scene. It's clear articulation probably what happened. So let's 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 hold that powder until we have to fire. I hope I'm not rambling because I always feel as though I'm rambling, especially since it's been a while since I did this podcast. So as I always say, let's get back to uh, hitting the streets. As we come in from the break, we uh, see Ryder and Bosch in Tony's office studio. And while they're there, it becomes obvious to Ryder that he's moving a lot of money to be a so-called producer and get students to direct his um, movies. He is living a very good life. And you start to see again the um, skills that Ryder has. Then Bosch and Meacham have a conversation outside of Ryder's ear where it's kind of obvious that Ryder is headed to, quote unquote, the glass house, you know, downtown, because she has skill sets. And again, it might not be popular to say this, but again, as I told you guys before, when it comes to um, how I think about diversity, if a person's qualified and they're really good at their job, let's have a diverse workforce, especially in the public sphere, because you want people to see likeness of, of them so they can be more cooperative with the police. And so if LAPD is grooming writer, I see nothing wrong with that. And then we also see Meacham tries to get Bosch to come over to work with him or work for him and have the glamorous life. And, you know, and as police, we get those type of offers from former police officers all the time. And it's, again, Michael Connelly's giving you guys a glimpse into uh, the police world. And you'd be amazed how many cops actually take it up because you can't, I mean, being a public service, you do not. My father told me when I first became a cop, he said, you will never get rich being a police officer. If you think you're going to get rich becoming a police officer, then you're going to the wrong field. And, but then a lot of police officers say, you look, I did my time. Now it's time for me to earn a little bit more money and use my skill sets in the private sector so I can earn a little bit of money. And I, don't, I do not fault them at all. I got offered a lot of jobs like uh, Meacham's offering Bosch. And just like Bosch, I turned them down. Now, another thing Bosch does while he's in Tony's office, he hits the redial button on the phone. And when he hits the number, it calls a place called Dolly's. And we see Bosch come up with this ruse instantaneously. A good police officer, a good investigator, you got to be fast on your feet and you got to be quick. And, you know, you got to use these little opportunities just to move your investigation further. And we see with this ruse, Bosch is able to find out that, okay, Tony, last call was to Dolly's in Las Vegas. And he also finds out that he's a regular. He isn't Tony's a regular. And one of the staples of a Harry Bosch book is Harry picking up on these little clues, these little nuances that if you're not watching or even reading, 
you would miss. Because like, just like this, we know Tony's a regular. They know his name. He has a number to the employees lounge. Um, he hit, finds out about somebody named Layla. I mean, there is a lot of things that happen just by Harry and, you know, through Michael Conley picking the phone up and hitting the redial on the, on the um, button. But, you know, next we see Michael Connolly also giving the reader a glimpse into law enforcement world where sometimes just dumb luck helps move the investigation further. So what I mean by that is Harry's outside and he's uh, smoking, but then he goes over to a trash can. And before he throws something in the trash can, he sees one of the cups that was in Aliso's office. And all that then leads to thinking that someone had broken into Alicia's office and that um, they got a video camera and there's all this stuff that went on. Again, it's just dumb luck. So sometimes you could be a great investigator and you can do, you can check all the boxes, but sometimes you just need dumb luck to help move the investigation further. And again, Michael Conley gives you guys, the reader, both sides of that. Diligent work, but sometimes just good luck that helps move the investigation further. One of the things we see Michael Conley kind of sews up is something that was hanging over from, last, uh, from the last book, The Last Coyote. And, you know, Harry Bosch's house is kind of a character in itself. Uh, at least to me, it's like a metaphor for Harry. I wonder if you guys picked that up also, because I did. And leave a comment if you did. But, you know, it's just the way the house was built, how it overlooks the city of L.A., it's on a stilts and how much trouble Harry got into uh, trying to fix the house up in the last book, in the last coyote. And so at the beginning of this book, that was kind of left hanging because if you remember the last coyote, he got kicked out. The inspector kicked him out. You know, he let him go in there, pick some personal effects up, but then he kicked him out and red tagged home. And then the next day when Harry went by there, the house was demolished. And so we now have now, Michael Conley has sewn up what happened to the house. He addresses it without overtly addressing it. Like, he's not writing, oh, the house from the last book is fixed up. Uh, I like the way he smoothly, like a jazz player, goes in and says, you know, when Bosch got home, the house had a sour tang of fresh paint. And he opened a slot of doors to let the cool, fresh air in. You know, again, so that's, you know, okay, whoo. The house was saved. And again, I love the way Michael Connolly slid that in there. So we also see that when Harry is uh, winding down, he pulled one of the tapes that Veronica was in. And him and actually him and uh, Ryder had talked about, hey, when Bosch, when you finish uh, looking, I want to look at it. And I want you guys, it's more than just being voyeuristic about why Bosch and Ryder wants to see or look at that tape. Because right now, just playing the averages, Veronica is a suspect. Hell, she even said it herself. And so you want to get as much background information about your suspect as possible. And if I got a videotape of something, uh, even though it's acting, at least I can get a sense of who the person is. So when I just wanted to clear that up. Or I don't know if people got that perception, but the reason, at least this is what I'm telling you, the reason why... Bosch and Ryder wanted to look at that videotape was to get a bead and get a feeling on Veronica and what she's all about. So the next day, 
we have Bosch in Lieutenant Billis' office, Bosch Ryder and Edgar in Lieutenant Billis' office. And Billis had told them that RHD might want to take this or quote unquote Bigfoot the case. And you see, Ryder and Bosch cannot stand the fact that they might get Bigfooted by RHD. But once again, one of the things we love about Michael Connolly is he keeps their character true to form. And Edgar is still sulking about having to be getting stuck with all the paperwork from the night before. But again, Edgar, it's your fault, dude. If you, you knew better to come to the crime scene the way he was dressed, but he was trying to get slick and Bosch taught him a lesson. And I'm, I'm sorry, I would do the exact same thing. Again, I think I addressed it in the last podcast, but thus far, you know, again, continuity. Again, I love continuity. And Michael Connelly is, is staying true to the characters. And so I'd like to read this passage from the book. Bosch spent the next 30 minutes talking for the investigative team and carefully recounting the night's investigation. The detective squad had only one TV slash VCR and it was kept in the lieutenant's office because it wasn't safe to keep it unlocked even in a police station. <laughs> Listeners, that is so true. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> what cops will do it's, it's crazy but yes you would have to lock down and keep the VCR in the lieutenant's office because things just walk away and I'm just going to say it and leave it like that but I, yes I've seen that happen before and again one of the, again, the nuances that Michael Connolly gives you guys the reader a glimpse of is the dreaded yawn and it's very contagious, especially when you worked long hours. You hate it. And it was kind of one of those unsaid rules. After you worked a long shift, no one yawned. Because if you did, it was contagious. Then I started yawning. Then uh, Jackie started yawning. And then everyone keeps yawning. It's like this yawn fest. And so you always knew, don't yawn. <laughs> and again, so it gets very minute. And I just like to pick these little things out, these little nuggets out. So we also see that as Harry is recounting the night's investigation, Lieutenant Billis asks a lot of good questions of the investigative team. And by the type of questions she asks, again, it goes back to what I said in the last podcast, and I'll, keep, I'll say um, right now, is that that just shows the mark of a good investigator and a good investigative uh, supervisor. Because Michael Connelly is showing that she's a skilled investigator and she's also a skilled supervisor of detectives or of an investigation. So, again, the type of questions that a supervisor asks can give you a whole glimpse into their, their background, their law enforcement background. And again, we see uh, Grace must have been, and she even told, tells Harry later on that she did a stint in investigations. Now, I just previously talked about how skillful Ryder is, but we see now that her rookie, or at least I'm going to say it was a rookie mistake when it came to addressing powers and putting his foot on the bumper. And me personally, if I was Harry, I would make sure I talked to Ryder and um, tell her, hey, look, I was going to bring that up to Lieutenant Billets, but I was wanting to do it informally. Because, see, the reason why you want to bring it up to one-on-one with the lieutenant, and 
okay, because you know I tell you guys the truth. It's a way to test the veracity of the lieutenant without trick boxing. What I mean by that is if I tell a supervisor something in front of witnesses, then the supervisor has to take certain steps or they leave the supervisor vulnerable for getting in trouble for not following policies and procedures. Now, me as a seasoned investigator, the way I protect my supervisors is I give them the opportunity to do the right thing. And if you give them the opportunity to do the right thing by telling them something's going to happen, that something happened, and seeing if they follow up on it, then that gives you say, okay, this supervisor is, is spot on. They know what they're doing, and I can trust that they're going to do the right thing. But if I take that choice away from them, then some supervisors get, in their, you know, get their haunches up or you know, getting their feelings like, well, why didn't you tell me that? Why would you tell me that in front of, um, not witnesses, but in front of the group? That's something that you should have put to me offline. Ryder shows her naivete, her lack of experience by bringing that crucial mistake that Powers did, by bringing that up in front of Lieutenant Billis. Now, everyone knew, the investigative team knew what he did. He is in Powers did. And I would make sure, me as a D3, I would school Ryder say, hey, look, I was going to tell her that. I wasn't hiding or protecting Powers. And these are the reasons why. And I just explained why. Now, I also like how Michael Conley let us see Harry is kind of human too. Of course he is. And he kind of get into his feelings a little bit because after Billis was debriefed, she started barking out orders and taking charge of the investigation. And she started telling everyone what to do. And it was a very illuminating and humbling feeling for Harry. But I, Harry and her talk it over. And I kind of liked the way they talked it over and how they settled it. But we see Harry accepts Billick's direction and stays true to it because he believes in her investigative skills. Now, if this was Pounds, you know Harry would be up in arms. But he respects Billick's and uh, followed her order and her directions. And, you know, we also see, again, talking about how strong Ryder is in her investigative skills. From the book, kids, you stick with the financial trail. I want to be in a position of knowing everything about this guy, Tony Aliso, by tomorrow morning. You're also going to have to go up to the house with the search warrant. So while you're there, take another shot at the wife. See what else you can get about the marriage when you're picking up the records. I don't know. If you get a chance, sit down with her and try to get a heart to heart. Uh, I don't know, Ryder said. I think we're past the heart to heart. She's a smart woman, smarter enough to already know that we'd take a look at her. I also think that to be safe, I should advise her the next time we talk to her. It was pretty close last night. Again, for Ryder to have the investigative skills to say, you know what, we got kind of close last night. And if I go back and ask her, quote unquote, or have a heart to heart with her, then she's already said, remember, Veronica's not stupid. She said, oh, I guess me talking about how I felt about Tony makes me a suspect. And right there, if you go back afterwards without advising her, then anything she says after that or any investigative leads say after that could probably be, be thrown out for a Fourth Amendment violation. So this was a very good 
pickup on Ryder. And again, it shows how good of an investigator she can possibly be. And so as we come to the end of the podcast, something happens at the end of chapter one that, again, I've been harping on why I like billets from the book. I heard you didn't have any actual time on the homicide table while you were coming up, he said to her. That's true. Only job as an actual detective was working sex crimes in the Valley Bureau. Well, for what it's worth, I would have assigned things just the way you did. But did it annoy you that I did it instead of you? Bosh paused for a moment. I'll get over it. Thank you. No problem. Listen, that thing about Powers leaving his print, I probably would have told you about it, but I didn't think this meeting was the right time. I chewed him out for opening the car yesterday. He said if he didn't open it and waited for us to check it out, the car probably would be still there. He's an asshole, but he makes a point. I understand. You pissed at me for not telling you? Phyllis thought for a moment. I'll get over it. And that gets us to this episode's Everyone Counts or No One Counts person. And my Everyone Counts or No One Counts person for Trump Music Chapter 1 is, again, Lieutenant Grace Millis. Now, I picked her again for this, for Everyone Counts or No One Counts person. Is maybe it's because I'm hungry and really appreciate a supervisor of investigators who lead, follow, or get out of the way and is competent and is assured in herself or his self, but have, you know, Grace is female, of course, and is assured of their self and not afraid to learn and continue to learn. So she's just blowing it away so well in this first chapter that I could, I would be negligent if I did not say, that she was my everyone counts or no one counts person. You know, Ryder was close for some of the clues she picked up on, but I had to go and stick with Grace. So again, my everyone counts or no one counts person for chapter one is uh, Lieutenant Grace Billets. This concludes chapter one review of Trunk Music. Well, as you know, it's been quite a while before I did a podcast. And podcast listeners, life comes at you fast. And I had a bunch of family emergencies. And I wasn't able to give my full time attention to the podcast. But thank goodness and thank God things are more stable. And I'm back behind the mic. And it feels so good. So I apologize. And I appreciate anyone who is still listening to me 
we have to build up the listening pool again. So please, 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 you can find me on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as you have always done while you're there, please rate me five stars or better. And also, you know I like it. Comments, comments, comments. Please leave comments because those comments are valuable and I really do appreciate your feedback. And lastly, please share the podcast with friends and family so that I could continue to grow. Oh, also, remember, you know, it's been a while. Join us at Pod for more investigative content where you will find more detailed experience concerning Harry Bosch and Michael Conley. So next up on the Thin Blue Line podcast, we will start a deep dive into chapter two of Trunk Music. I'm Philip Parker, and I'm 10-7 for the remainder. <laughs>